Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast for anyone who likes wine, people, stories, Paso, because we celebrate it all here. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Well, I hope you had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Also, if you were at WineFest, I hope you had a blast. What a wonderfully perfect day. Weather was bitching. So many people out there. Everyone with Paso wine. Uh, Jen, Chris, Jamie, Joel, Peggy, Carol, anyone with Paso wine just did such an incredible job. The volunteers uh, did an incredible job. I met a young man named Beck. He came up to me. He's a wine and vit student at Cal Poly. And he's like, I'm listening to all the podcasts. One day you're going to interview me with my wine. It was just so cool. He was so great to meet. Lots of fun faces there. And it was really cool. Had lots of folks coming up that were listeners of the podcast. I think I had more people because I was broadcasting live on The Crush. I think I had more people come up to me and talk about the podcast than did the radio show. So that was pretty phenomenal. Got a chance to match faces with some folks who have reached out before, meet some new faces. So thank you for coming to the Paso Wine Fest. One, but two, saying hello. So today, we are going to meet the winner of our Allegretto Vineyard Resort Contest. Two-night stay, dinner at Cello, wine tasting, vineyard tour. That is going to be a lot of fun to do. And for the Travel Paso Spotlight, we learn of a hidden gem that I bet you didn't even know about. Didn't even know Paso had. Like, we have a legit one of these that's in its circle of industry and sport is a well-respected venue and destination. And this place is free to the public. Can't wait to share with you later where we are talking about in our Travel Paso Spotlight. But I want to get right into today's show. Who wants to make some wine? Hans? Bueller? Today we're going to learn all about the dynamic of a custom crush facility. We've talked about a winemaker for hire. How about a winery for hire? Now, maybe you're an assistant winemaker somewhere who wants to start your own brand. Maybe you live out of the area, just love Paso, have the resources, and want to make your own brand. Maybe you are a diehard, you want to make the wine, but you don't know everything, don't have all the resources, certainly the footprint of a crush pad and a barrel storage, but you want to make your own brand. This is why you have a custom crush facility. And we're going to talk to the folks behind Pacific Wine Services, a brand that deals with so many different kinds of clients and wants and desires. The similarity being all of their clients are making wine in their facility. They have a winemaker, so maybe you don't want to touch it at all. Maybe the next time you pick up the phone, it's to know when your pallet of wine will be arriving at your house with your label on it. Maybe you live in the area and you're going to be doing your own punch downs, your own racking and your own inoculations, but you just need a place to do it. Enter a custom crush facility. We're going to talk to the general manager and winemaker of Pacific Wine Services, Marin Walgamot. Also, their operations manager will be with us, Kelsey Schmidt, and we'll even meet one of their clients, a brand I've loved for a long time, Cypher, and its owner, Sam Mahler, a.k.a. Zinpunk. She has had a brand with names that you remember like Slayer, Phoenix, has a tasting room downtown Paso and has been making wine for over 20 years in the biz. And we'll talk to her about why she, in her stage, so even a winery that makes a good amount of wine that has been around for a long time, why they use a custom crush facility and some of the benefits that Sam gets from the relationship she has with Pacific Wine Services. Now, I show up. We do this show downtown Paso. We are right above Paso Wine Headquarters. We are in the broadside loft that if you remember our show we did with Adam Lazar, he said in there, anytime you want to do a show downtown Paso, come by. Well, we have taken him up on that. This is our third time. So we are doing our show from the beautiful broadside loft downtown Paso, situated right around 14th, 15th Street. Who knows? Maybe after a conversation like today's, you're going to be wondering what your next steps are going to be to make your very own wine. Let's go. So give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Yeah. Cheers. 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 
Thanks, yeah. ladies, for hanging out. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited because we have two totally different kind of folks to talk to. Sam with Cypher. I've been a fan of your brand for a long time, and, and I'm excited to talk to you because I think for a while, back in the day when it was Sam and Christian with the winery, I knew Christian, so I would always talk to Christian. But I have not got a chance to really dive deep with you. I've seen you at events here and there, and I've always loved running into you and chatting. But to like chat with you about Cypher, I'm super stoked. So thanks for coming here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And Marin Pacific Wine Services is what we're going to learn all about today, a custom crush facility that can literally turn anyone into a winemaker. Exactly. We make winemaking dreams come true. I love how you put that. That's so perfect. Kelsey, it's good to see you. Good to see you too. Kelsey is the operations manager. Marin is the, you're pretty much the director of operations there, right? Like where you're the winemaker and you're directing all the wine that's coming out of there. Correct. Yeah. So general manager, winemaker. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot. That's a couple of big hats there. It is. Those are the biggest, the biggest of the hats to wear. Uh, Sam, Cypher, where are we tasting now? We're downtown. We're not far from here. Yeah. I'm down at the historic train depot built in 1886. No way. Really cool building. A couple doors down from Goshi Sushi. Everyone knows where that is. Pine, oh. and, Pine and Eighth, basically. Yeah, I would just be making wine to pair with their rolls. and Totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> where we're at now, we've this is our third show that we've done in the Broadside Lofts, and this is a downtown Paso loft above, or actually above the Paso Wine Alliance, but uh, Adam Lazar from Broadside has been uh, nice enough this, to say, hey, look, if you got some folks, there's a central place to meet. We can do it here. And this has been the third time I've taken him up on it, and he's always so kind. So aren't these digs, like, really nice or what? Oh, my God, amazing. I yeah. love this window. <laughs> I know. This window is beautiful. It's really cool. Georgie yes. loves it, too. Georgie can't just, like, I'm just, like, watch, taking it all in. <laughs> I'm curious how we describe a custom crush facility, how we make everyone's dreams come true. Yeah, so not many people know, but if you do want to get started in the wine business, it can be a bit pricey. And the overhead of having equipment, facility, staff, licensing, and just the straight up knowledge how to make wine. Um, It can be a bit daunting to put it all together. And so what we do and what we offer is a facility, kind of like a co-op in a sense, where it's a shared space where people can uh, make their wine. And so we offer basically a space where we do the labor or if a winemaker wants to come in and they do their own labor. Um, But basically it's a shared space where a lot of people get to make wine. What a spectrum because I can imagine you could have somebody who, uh, Kelsey, maybe just says, hey, I want to have this label on this wine. Just put it together. I'm doing it for whatever reason, you mm-hmm. know? Or they could be like, hey, I'm, I'm making some wines. I just need a place to do it. I don't have the money or the wherewithal, the resources yet to have my own place, but I know you got all the things that I need. I can rack, I can barrel, I can yada, 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 but I want to do it. I don't want, you know, I want to make the wine. Sure. I can do that too. Yeah, of course. We have a couple, many, many varieties of clients, I should say, that like to do um, as, little as, they, as little as possible where we do everything or they want to do everything themselves and everything in between. I think a really great example is we have a couple assistant winemakers who work at other kind of bigger names and they are starting their own brands so they need a place to do that and so they are very very hands-on because they're very specific about what they want they want to take care and touch their wine at every single stage Um, and then we have some other people that I don't want to say phone it in but maybe just are never really on site and they just trust Marin and myself to get everything done for them um, and then we ship them the finished product so it's as little or as much as you want to make it and then people in between Um, Sam you're a pretty good example of an in between you do you rely on us for some stuff but you do a lot of stuff yourself too Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of your own protocols sometimes that you like to do or we do lots of sampling for you but you know exactly kind of what you're going for yeah definitely it's it's kind of like the best of all worlds for me i mean i would i would describe um pws as it's it's kind of like you know you can't afford your own private jet you know it's like a fractional jet right so you get like the, the most amazing team, they're just so professional and wonderful. They know their stuff, make everything so easy to work with. And uh, I can just do all the fun stuff. And you could say, hey, I want to make, uh, and, and they take, you know, I don't know where you rank. You're probably one of the top five clients as far as production, right? Like you're making a good amount of wine there. But they say, uh, you could be like, hey, I want to do this, but I want you to do that. And, and you have a trust in their winemaking acumen and ability that some of the stuff you just know what you're doing, you can dial it in, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean... You know, it's great that you can do everything yourself or, or they can do it. And I I anticipated I would probably do it. I like to be super hands-on. Do you? Yeah. But as a result, I had to have hand surgeries a couple of years ago, and I've had to back off. You know, maybe you can't do all the punch downs and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, but these guys, like, it didn't, you know, 
I was in there for a couple weeks. I was like, oh yeah, these guys are aces. I, you know, if I, you know, I, I finally got a use permit to build a winery on my property out on Arbor Road. And, you know, if I was big enough, I'd want to steal all of them away and just take them to my place. <laughs> so what's kind of interesting is that, you Your know. Your boss isn't listening to this, is they, they, um, they almost can kind of feel like they're extensions of your own production facility because they are. So it's almost like, you know, they may not be Cypher employees, but they're Cypher family totally. in a way. Yeah, yeah. That's I think, pretty cool. Yeah, there's like, it seems, it, I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, whether you own your vineyards or not or your winery, there's every possible permutation for people to exist in this business and find a way that, that works for them for all sorts of various reasons. Yeah, you've been making wine for more than 20 years here in Paso. I was a huge fan, in fact, Four Vines, was a big like gateway for me. The Biker's Inn at Four Vines was like, I swore it had fentanyl in it. it I don't even know if <laughs> oh fentanyl was then. I mean, it was just so good. And uh, I, I was telling you a story off the air where we would hang out with either Chris or his assistant winemaker, Katie Vote, and she would have, you know, she had this, like, this little cellar at her crib, and we would play either beer pong or different things, like for some of these library bottles, you know? Like, oh, I want to get, you know, an 07 Biker's Inn. And break down like the formula of Biker's Inn because it was so good. Yeah. And I think Zinn was having a real fun time right then. Zinn is one of these varieties. It, it, it's very cyclical when it's in favor and not. But man, when Biker's Inn was hot, uh, there was nothing hot. Yeah. It was, I think Zins were more culty back there. Yeah. I mean, you still have, you know, Zap still going on and, and you have people that just are really love that varietal. But it seems like back then it had even more of a vibe because like it was more of an important part of Paso. You know, now there's so many other varietals that have gotten promoted. But the idea with Four Vines was that we were doing Zins out of four different appellations. So we got to work out of so many amazing old vine vineyards. It was ridiculous. I really enjoyed it. So Biker was supposed to be the big in-your-face wine. You know, in Sonoma, we had one called Sophisticate, and that was supposed to be the pretty more elegant version. And right. Amador was Maverick. And then we had an old vine cuvee. So we were at the Boston Expo one year. And uh, Chris was up doing a seminar on Zins. I think Adam might have been up there too. And it was the first time he started referring to these Appalachian wines we had before we had the names on the bottles. So all these people just like rushed our table and they're like, oh, I want to try the biker. And and me and, and my buddy that were with me were just like, Oh, you mean, the, okay, we got, like, we got the context yeah. of it because we had been hearing Chris talk about the wines and personalities and all this oh, stuff. So it's pretty all, funny because yeah. they weren't even like, they're like, oh, I want to try the sophisticate. And he had just kind of come up with this in his mind during the seminar. It's, he's brilliant at those. And listening to him describe a wine, Chris T.G., is, um, I mean, it's like, a, it's like, here's a woman down a dark hallway. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, he's explaining the dress. And I mean, so it's, it's really like to him, it's this, it's much bigger and more, you know, illustrative than even just a, a glass of wine might appear to most. It's a fun way. Way to kind of understand and appreciate it and and that's what this zin dictated so four vines those four places the bikers in where was this fruit primarily from and then take me behind the scenes to how you made it that made it like cracking a bottle at least to me okay well the we we got a lot of fruit from Ducey for that that was one of the great ones but a, a lot of different vineyards let's see one up on kyler canyon the braise used to own ken and doris bray that is now owned by um seven oxen sure and uh, we used to get some from Clevenger, um, which, what was the, which what? is where Niner is now. Oh, okay. The really old Vine Zin Vineyards. That was beautiful. That was one of my, my favorite Zins, actually. It's like just like lilac and lavender and yeah. just... Well, they have a lot of lavender Minerally, right out there. super minerally. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then what are we doing once it hits the cellar? Well, you know, that's Chris's magic, so... I'll let him speak about what, what uh, his fentanyl, yeah, fentanyl really. <laughs> inducing, uh, but I mean, it was a really great wine and it was certainly really popular. Yeah. Yeah. Those are fun times. Um, you still like playing with Zen a little bit? Yeah. I love playing with Zen and it's more of a recent thing because um, with Cypher, I wanted to be pretty focused on the Rhone varietals and I ended up when Chris and I split up our brands and he started Anarchy and I stayed with Cypher and I was kind of reworking the branding a little bit. You know, Chris has his Zin bitch. Of course. Dispersing glitter all over wine cellars yes, across the country. Yes, believe me, I know. <laughs> but, you come um, back from a wine tasting and, like, your girl thinks you're at a strip club. Exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what he's going for. Yeah, right. Like stir it up a little bit. Um, well, way back, I think the first Zin bitch wine was 2004. 
I guess since I was the female in the duo, everyone thought I was the Zen bitch. Oh, sure. <laughs> so to, and you know, if you know, know Chris, he's the bitch. I yeah, mean, right, he yeah. named himself that, so <laughs> yeah. I can't, I'm not being mean or anything. No, sure. No, he does but, say that, um, yes. Yes, but I, uh, I went out and uh, at the time, Frank Norelli had a license plate Zen dude. Doug Beckett had Zen Man and Charity Norelli had uh, Zen Brat. So I decided I was going to get the license plate Zen Punk just to make it clear that I wasn't the bitch. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then I became Sam Zen Punk on social media. That's so then where I, that came from? Yeah. I've always wondered why that was your Insta. <laughs> well, no, so no. That I was like, hey, Chris, do you mind if I do a Zen Punk wine? Because I always kind of wanted it to turn yeah. that into something. So that was a Zen blend. And that was kind of like going full circle, right? Yeah, totally. Back to Zen. Because I, I didn't want to have it under the main Cypher label, right? So uh-huh. I thought, oh, that's cool. I get to play with something alternative. So then that became an anime label because I grew up during martial arts and uh, competed on the Berkeley Taekwondo team. So I got to kind of tie that, my whole love and time in Berkeley. So you did Taekwondo. Yeah. I did Tang Sudo. Oh, cool. Yeah, both Korean styles of karate. I don't want to fight you. Oh, I don't want to <laughs> fight you. I heard, I heard you're a black belt. Yeah. I'm a black belt too. What degree did you get to? Uh, I just thought I didn't keep going. I didn't go keep yeah. going for belts. I just like competing. Yeah, no, yeah. I, it was it was fun. Karate was. I mean, that was a really big part of my life. Nice. Yeah. Well, how how did you get into it? How did you? Uh, what'd you get from it? What did I get from it? I think like a lot of people. I mean, I don't know that I needed discipline. I went to Catholic school, so you know, <laughs> beat that into you. At the but. time I went in, I think the discipline <laughs> helped me. Though. Um, no, I just loved it. Like I love sports. Yeah. You know, I, I love I le- love learning almost any new sport. Just like the way you have to just have all these fine motor movement. Yeah. Think about where your body was. Work out everything. And I loved the whole, like the culture of you know a good martial arts studio. You know, so I started doing. Good point. I, think I, I started doing hapkido when I was a freshman in high school. What was your favorite form? Do you remember oh, any God, of them? I, I mean, I was in high school. <laughs> no, that was a long time ago. I was, that was, I was a long time ago. I liked all too. of them, though. I mean, I just, I loved everything about it. Yeah. And then I, when I went to Berkeley, I got into Taekwondo. They, had, they have a huge martial arts program up there. Cool. Yeah. Then I've been doing Kendo here. Um, Jason Carter, you know, Jason Carter. And so you're doing, you've done a lot of different kinds of styles of karate. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Were you have a favorite yet? I mean, like, I think Taekwondo was my favorite because that's mm-hmm. what I spent the most time doing and competing in. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, I, I, I love it. all of them and they're, they're different, you know? Yeah. I mean, so. See, I think you could make an argument that there's certain pieces of like martial arts that could, you know, spill into or sculpt the winemaker you are, you think? Or is that a little bit me just being dreamy? Um, interesting. I think uh, there's like pieces of like my martial arts that, you know, shape different the way, way I look at things or people yeah. or situations. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting thing because I think... I guess immediately off my top of my head with that is that like, you know, there's certainly an elephant of elephant element of, um, you know, discipline and, and exact movement, but there's, there's room for artistic expression too, and how you put these things together yeah, right? great point. and interact with people. So I guess that that's kind of a similarity of that. We've talked about this before about wine being, you know, more craft or more art. Uh, Marin, while Sam's taking a sip of this beautiful Roussan, by the way, we're going to break this down in a second. Uh, when, what would you say? Wine, more craft or more art? Or maybe it's, I don't know, what do you mm-hmm. think? I would have to say it's probably 50-50 because I think you have to have some understanding of fermentation science, chemistry of wine, and a lot of people will just look at chemistry without even tasting it and tell if it's good or bad. Um, but then I think when it comes down to blending and bottling decisions, um, I think it's definitely an artistic uh, flair and like also taste, um, having a good palate, um, understanding you know the balance of like alcohol, tannin, acidity, and that just takes practice. But I'd say it's a pretty good balance between like chemistry focused and microbiology to actually like art sometimes superstition and like voodoo gets in the cellar a little bit do you have clients that will be like hey put this like spongebob squishy on this so the (laughs) ferment doesn't get stuck or i mean i've heard like a lot of weird things oh yeah i've I've heard it all i've seen it all Um, my favorite is when you do yeast inoculations if you're going to stir a bucket do it in a infinity formation because if you are always stirring to the right it's too much right energy if you're stirring to the left too much left energy so do an infinity there you go. and you got both there you go um, or, yeah, or inoculating a male on a full moon or happy thoughts happy wine you've told yeah, me that yeah. before for sure yeah, happy, yeast yeah. ferments and yeast inoculations are super important you gotta have a good person who does that yeah that's really interesting. What music are you listening to in the cellar? Oh, it varies. Um, usually it's like 90s hip hop. We've got a lot of nice. like the Mexican radio station on. Cool. Um, yeah, it always varies. Okay, Sam, uh, what do we think? Wine, more craft, more art? Well, like Marin said, it's super important. I mean, I think most people probably at least have the basics down so that, you know, fermentations and things, you know, so if you don't mess it up, 
then I guess the art's more important. But if things are messed up, then you really need the science, you know? So in the, in the best case scenario, you get great fruit, you know? Things are done on time. And then you just get to focus on the art, like cooking, you know? Like, how do I want this to be? You know? Talk about this wine right here, Ethereal. This is a, um, you said Roussan and Vermentino? Oh, it's uh, 52% Viognier and 48% Roussan. Viognier Roussan. Yeah, so. What a good blend. This is beautiful. Yeah, it's fun. They really balance each other. And this is a this is a East meets West. I got the Viognier from uh, Four Lanterns, and the Roussan. I was very lucky to get some from Cass. Cool. They have some beautiful whites, and they sell through it. So I I was lucky to to get some fruit from them. This is a fun wine, Marin. What do you like about uh, this uh, Viognier Roussan? I love the aromatics and actually the acidity on it. Um, Viognier is known for being pretty soft, a little flabby, kind of oily, um, and maybe it's the uh, Marsan in there that's just kind of just lifting it. It's got the acidity. Marsan um, Roussan, or is it Roussan? Roussan. Oh man, um, but yeah, just the aromatics on this wine. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm digging it. It's like one of those wines, Kelsey, where you feel like even when it warms up a little bit in the glass, it almost tastes better. You know. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's not perfumey either which sometimes i get that with viognier or you get that like kind of um i don't even know but yeah it's not too flowery perfumey it's really well balanced i like it marin i'm curious how you know it's so interesting to kind of explore the different ways that somebody could use you because we have people who listen to this podcast from outside the area and you know what there might be some resources there to be like you know shoot i hear this why can't i make my own wine and maybe i have a five-year goal of maybe being more involved i've had people write in saying hey our goal is to move up here within 10 years you know so can you teach someone this? Or I mean, you're not a, you're not really a school either, though, are you? I mean, they can pay me for my time. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> yeah. So we have a consulting um, oh, okay, contract. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. So they can have me as their consulting winemaker, um, whether it's hourly or just a flat rate. But yes, yeah, so we kind of have different tiers. So we have people who maybe walk in, know nothing. And we get this question quite often from maybe people who bought a property in Paso and like, oh, I have these 400 vines in front of my house. Can I make wine? And answer is sure (laughs) um you might have to pay for it but yeah we can definitely make wine from it and so usually those clients who are new and have smaller lots um they do ask the most questions which is good and i'm happy to teach and guide them through the process and they can have a finished product at the end and then we have some people who you know know a little bit but maybe just want to come sit and taste with me um and maybe if we're doing barrel select or like trying to decide when to bottle um and maybe so that's just more of like a one-on-one and um, less often. And then we have people who are full on winemakers and they basically hand me the protocol and I'm kind of just the eyes and ears. So if I see anything in the cellar that might be off or if I have a favorite, I'll tell them and be like, I think this wine is stellar. Um, don't do anything. I leave it as is. And yeah, kind of just to be the person who writes the work orders and make sure the wine gets to bottle. Those must be fun clients. Yeah, so they're the easy goings. Usually yeah. it's the bigger clients that they've got their system down. They know the drill um, bottling, which is always stressful, but they're just like, oh yeah, we've done this, you know, a hundred times. Well, it's really a wide range of expectations. Like we talked about your wide range of customers and clients you'll have, but really what that reflects is that there's a wide range of expectations that these people have for you and Kelsey and the team. It's like, hey, I want to be really in charge or I'm Sam and I want to be just the way ever Sam you know how she dictates her brand and I want I want this and this is the relationship I want because and ideally you want you want to facilitate that because you want to keep them there yeah, exactly. So at the same time, you know, what's important about us is like customer service. So while yes, we are a business and we make wine, um, but at the end of the day, like we are making wine for our clients. And so their happiness and the quality of the product, like we want that to reflect in our business, of course, but I also want to present like the best wines ever. So even though we do have, you know, a wide range of clients and their involvement, every single wine that we make, I take really good care of. Now I try and think of it from your perspective, who else is doing custom crush? Well, there are some brands that have their own place and maybe enough space to offer, hey, I'll make wine for some buddies or so I'll take a couple clients on and, you know, the, the, but then they're almost starting this whole beast where they got to collect, they got to do this and then it, it becomes a pain in the ass for them. But then also there could be other custom crush facilities. I mean, I know there's some other ones in like, you know, Santa Maria and other places. How, how deep is the pool of your competition and how do you kind of maximize your position against them? Exactly. So a lot of wineries here, 
you know, they will be very neighborly, which is great in this industry and offer, oh, sure, yeah, bring in a couple tons, we'll make wine for you. Um, but sometimes when that happens is that the, you know, friend is their wines are put on the back burner or maybe they're not processed right away or, you know, they try to reach out to the winemaker, but the winemaker is not responsive for two weeks and you're like, well, what's happening over there? Like, um, and so then you have like the bigger custom crush um, where maybe their minimum is 100 tons, which you have to be a pretty big wine brand to kind of fulfill that goal. Um, and on average, like our clients are between, you know, 10 to 20 tons, but we do have the smaller clients. And so to find a custom crush facility that will take you on and care about you like we do, I think is a little rare. Harvest 22 must have been a beast. I mean, you see how it was for people of all sizes. I mean, it created issues and waves and, you know, conversations for wineries of all sizes. Uh, what was it like for a custom crush facility? Because you have now, not only are you probably bringing in, you know, well, you have, you're, you're hearing all these problems, you're having them yourself, but now you have all these other clients that have other problems too. And now we got to figure out how to balance all this. Yeah. Um, I will say from the custom crush, it was actually easy. Was it? <laughs> because, well, unfortunately, a lot of our clients didn't bring in as much tonnage as they were hoping. And so like, oh, like we were expecting five tons, but now it's only one. So like, oh, well, now it's only like three hours less of work. But at the same time, the flip side is that like, well, as a business, we do make our money off of the number of tons. So unfortunately, while it was a light year, it actually kind of was easy. It was like, oh, I don't have to worry about turning and burning tanks, you know? So there were the pros and cons. Um, And the pros, I think, overall too, were some of the white wines that we made this year. Um, all the white wines were phenomenal. Everything that came in before the heat wave um, looked beautiful. We had some great whites, rosés, and we made some fun sparkling wines. And then after the heat wave, um, that's where we did see some of the problems is just lower yield, lots of raisins, um, and just some of the issues that come with that. Sam, um, how was this harvest for you and then uh, the rains? How do your vineyards, where you're getting your fruit for 23, how does all that look right now? I think everything, well, everything's so happy from all the rain. Oh my gosh, from my garden to everything. Yeah, it seems like things are catching up overall, right? It was a little behind because it was such a cold year. Bud break was late, but I think things are catching up. And we'll see how, you never know. But, you know, I mean, all all signs are that... (laughs) Everything's going to be great. And I'm going to just make a little infinity sign, right? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about Marin Vineyards. So Marin, this is your brand and you make some some different ones. How many different wines do you make? Yeah. So uh, our vineyard is in Lockwood. And actually how I came to POWS is that I started out as a client and kind of was just hanging out so often that they offered me a job, which is great because I needed one at the time. (laughs) Um, And so we make Viognier, Cab and Malbec, and then I do a Cab and Malbec blend. Um, and so this is the wine that I brought is a hundred percent cab from our vineyard. Um, we had originally planted with Syrah, but then in 2017, we had ripped out the Syrah vines and replanted with the cabin Malbec. So this is the first vintage, um, from our newer plantings. And did you live there? So I grew up in Lockwood. Okay. Yes. And for um, someone who doesn't know where Lockwood is, me, where's Lockwood? So Lockwood's about like 35 minutes north, uh, west of here. So kind of by Lake San Antonio. Oh, that's um, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, that's not far at all. No, not too far, but it it is a very small town, only like 300 people. Oh, really? Maybe 299 now that I left. And then how, so tell me the the earth that we're growing in. Like, what is it like? What is that area like? Yeah, so very similar to Paso in the weather where it does get hot and even occasionally you'll find it even hotter than Paso, Um, but pretty similar soils. We have a lot of the calcareous rock out there. Um, I remember pulling those out. As a kid, that was one of my chores is grab all those white rocks. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, really? um, yeah. And so um, the water quality out there is really good as well. And we're on just a slight inclined slope, so we don't really have to worry about frost too much. But it does get hot. So that is a concern. And like with our newer vines, we actually did some shade cloth protocols out there just to kind of mitigate the sunburn as was pretty important last year, we realized with the huge heat wave that we had. You were obviously making your wine at Pacific Wine Services. Tell me how you you kind of crossed that path. Yeah. So I've kind of jumped around. Um, I lived in Lockwood and then when I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, um, I was living in slow and then I've worked harvest all over California. Um, up in Napa, gone to Oregon. I've done Australia twice and New Zealand. And then I was up in Napa for the 2020 harvest. Um, but lost my job 
due to the glass fire in Napa. So 2020 is when I was looking for a job kind of mid harvest and PWS was like, yeah, we could use the help. (laughs) So you didn't, so you came in just kind of to help them out with harvest and then how long until you make the transition to like, okay, now I'm the general manager and I'm the head of winemaking. Yeah. It kind of happened quickly. Um, originally I was just kind of answering the phones and like weighing people's fruit, helping with punch downs. And I kind of knew she makes wine too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They were like, you can run the work orders and stuff too. (laughs) And yeah, so it kind of worked out where I was helping the other winemaker at the time, Brandon, um, and just helping him like with clients and like, Oh yeah, let's go do the bricks and temps. And like, I don't know, I was just kind of an all over person. And then the person who was the general manager, he and his family, they're moving. And so they offered me the general manager position. Was this something that you wanted to do or that you knew you wanted to do? Did you have to think about it or what? Um, I kind of had to think about it because I knew winemaking. Um, I was always just a seller rat. And then so to become you know, responsible for other people's fruit and just a business. And it was kind of a big jump for me, but I kind of faked it till I made it. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I think just my connection with clients, because I I know what it's like to be a client. I can kind of anticipate their questions, you know, what they're looking for, what their concerns are, because I had those too. And yeah, just knowing that somebody cared about my wines and was looking after them, like I hope that's a relief for people. And yeah, the whole business side and how to keep the lights on I mean that's why I have Kelsey now <laughs> she does a lot of that yeah some like the more like the business side of things so you can be more on the seller side of things yeah so I, I kind of had to juggle both hats at one point winemaker and general manager um, and then luckily I was able to hire Kelsey to be my like office manager who's now operations manager so she can help me keep track of billing which is kind of a big part of our business um, emails answering the phone we get a lot of phone calls every day um, but yeah it's, it's a lot to keep track of yeah definitely yeah one person can't do it all I mean gosh you could even argue that just two people shouldn't be doing that all <laughs> yes that's true <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Kelsey so you come into the picture and how is this kind of how did this kind of evolve your your, uh, your wine journey? I mean, I didn't really know where I was going to end up. I've been in wine club a lot and admin side of things and marketing um, and a lot of tasting room stuff. And so I was kind of ready for something more and more responsibility and learning more about maybe how to run a business and be a general manager. And so when this job popped up, it was kind of like, I don't know, perfect timing, really. <laughs> um, I was no longer with Epic Estate Wines and I was just kind of figuring out what my next move was. And um, what, what, what year was that? Was that 2021? Yeah. Everybody was freaking out their lives yeah, then. Yeah, <laughs> right? Uh, I finally was able to connect with Marin and interview and, and I was hired pretty shortly thereafter and I've been, I've been with them ever since. So, um, it's been really amazing. I've been taking on a lot off of Marin's plate, I think, so that she can focus on really her passion and what she wants to do, which is the winemaking side. Um, but I really, you know, we are really do it together. I think, um, I handle a lot of the stuff. So she, not Marin can do both. Um, but she shouldn't shouldn't have to, right. She should have help and have someone that she can believe that can handle that side. So she can handle like the, the precious, like everyone's grapes and all the wine and everything. So I do all the other stuff. I'm kind of like the gatekeeper to get to Marin. Um, that's smart. You need that because (laughs) I was going to say, where do people become more a pain in the ass? Is it on the admin side or is it in, is it on the seller side? Um, it's when clients have one barrel of wine and they want to taste it every month, which oh, yeah. it's not changing a lot every month, but it is, but it's just takes a lot of time, you know, about an hour to two hours just to taste with each client. And if that client keeps coming back and always calling, always emailing, um, but I'm happy to do it because I know they are getting something out of it. I'm helping them. Yeah. And hopefully one day, maybe it'll become every other month that they come. Right. Yeah. Or at least, you know, maybe the upsell could be like, maybe we'll start making more wine with them or maybe they'll yeah, do more. Yeah, exactly. Other, you know? There's or, always a potential sale. Yeah, you, you could, <laughs> right. You could always be like, hey, you know what we should do? We should really be doing like three of these barrels. Yeah. This wine year. is so good. We need yeah, to make yeah. more of it. <laughs> or, or they'll refer someone. Maybe they don't have that p- opportunity to do more, but they know someone who has more fruit. Yeah. Word of mouth is yeah. And then they refer that person. What if someone's just got some kind of bunk fruit that, you you know, it's not your favorite. And you're like, look, your wine is only going to get this good. Because we know you, you, I mean, to have great wine, you have to start with great fruit. And, I mean, you can mess it up. You can mess up great fruit, but you can't make bad fruit great. 
Yeah, that's the hard part and where you kind of have to become a little bit of a wine doctor, pull out your toolkit and yeah. sprinkle a little bit of this and this. But when um, does it come to the point where you have to say something to them? Like, usually, I mean, the first year is kind of always a trial year. You really mm-hmm. don't know what fruit you're going to get. And for us, you know, we're not really involved with the vineyards. So I don't know what the fruit's like until it gets to our door. Um, but usually it's like the second year. Okay, we learned, you know, that maybe you picked this too late or maybe you picked it too early or you need to sample more. And so hopefully it's a learning curve and that they want to continue and learn um but yeah the first year can kind of be hit or miss on what kind of fruit we're going to get yeah huh um we're hanging out here with the folks from pacific wine services if somebody wants to and again we're talking super small i mean a barrel is what like maybe 25 cases yeah yeah we can make a barrel wine for people easy and if i'm doing this with you do i need to find the barrel of wine or i could but i don't have to yeah, you don't have to. You can start literally from the ground up. We have wine ready to bottle that is tasting great. And like bulk wine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we could literally, I could go, I would love a barrel of wine in a case, Cabernet, and you probably have a few different ones I could taste. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And then we can go right there. That's so many, And people do that. Yeah. Or they could go, hey, I got an in on a you know half ton of fruit. I want to make a barrel with it. Mm-hmm. And let's go that way. People do that too. Yeah, exactly. We can kind of help anybody depending on the size. But yeah, our minimum is about one ton. But let's say if you want to do a half ton of cab, half ton Which of is like Merlot. two barrels. Yeah, mm-hmm. about, about two, two barrels of wine. Yeah, okay. So Sam, how, what were you doing before you found Pacific Wine Services? In 16, when I started making my own wines, um, I was out at Midnight Cellars. Oh, yeah. Which was pretty fun. You know, same, you know, kind of, of, of course, it's their brand there, but um you know, I was able to just pretty much do everything on my own there. Yeah, you, and they'll do the some kind of crash for folks yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so that was pretty cool. And it was just down the road for me. And then um, Terry Colton got a place over in Tin City. Yeah. Yeah, so I was... I miss him. I know. He's up in Oregon doing his thing. I know, so he's a great winemaker. Happy. Yeah, Terry's great. And, and, and Kathleen, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was sharing space with him there. That worked out really well. Nice. And then I was over at MCV for Harvest. Okay. And then I found out... I don't know. I didn't know about PWS yet. I found out about that and um and it's it's just it's great you know i mean it, they've all been interesting spots for different reasons but uh, yeah uh, i mean these guys are aces i can't say enough about how great they are and just how considerate and professional and wonderful just always fun and show these they never break a sweat because they don't have to because they're so on top of their game it's great <laughs> now i've been to like some custom crush places like uh the one in santa maria like in central coast right yeah the miller family yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and um paul lotto is out of there and he's got his little area. It's like fenced off, <laughs> lights, probably cameras. He's got a kitchen in his own little. I mean, it's so like his own little piece of this. I mean, and it's so interesting because I've never seen anybody who is of a custom precious lady be so like, you know, territorial in what they want. Do you see mm-hmm. people do that? I mean, is that where are some people like, do they get kind of like territorial over a little bit? Um, not necessarily territorial, but like we have specific requests, I'll say. Um, we have one client who is very into the crystals and um, she has this, I think she calls it an earth blanket um, that needs to be plugged in. And so we kind of have to put it in a spot that's next to a plug, but it's also kind of separate from all the other barrels. Is she um, local? No, she's out of Ohio. I was going to say, um, I was wondering if this was Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get Nancy to come over. Um, but That'd yeah, be cool. I, mean, like I, I, just where... I didn't know how into the crystals, but I remember that she mentioned crystals to me before. So this client, though, um, they ha- they want you to do an- they want you to put an electric blanket over what their barrel. Basically, mm-hmm. yep, yep. And she and pictures. Don't yeah, forget she the pictures. taped um, words and photos of like affirmation. There's like a dolphin. There's the word love. Um, there's some flowers. There's bees. And she used yellow tape to kind of hold the blanket in place because I think yellow just has a very happy aura. She saged um, our whole cellar. Yes. Wow. Like cleansed so, it. So at some point, I mean, yes, you're like this is great, sure, and you're, you're willing to indulge. But at some point, I mean, maybe this is look. If you're not doing this for your wine, you probably don't necessarily think it needs to be done for wine or else you'd be doing it. But we're willing to, I mean, if play along is the best word or just like, you know, acquiesce and be like, sure, like all good. Like, look, I'm not going to judge. We're just, we're here to make yeah, your wine. Yeah, I mean, so. kind of like, you know, that thought of happy yeast, happy wine. Well, every time I pull a sample from those barrels, like I'm obviously smiling because it just, I don't know, it's so cute. Yeah, and it's sure, just yeah. like, <laughs> there's crystals hanging off and it's like, I don't know, just I'm happy when I'm around those barrels. Yeah. And she's actually as a study, can't remember 
remember the name, but it's this... um, Japanese water molecule study. Yeah. So if you are like shouting profanity or have negative vibes, um, when water crystallizes, it looks ugly and deformed. But if you're shouting like words of affirmation or positive vibes towards water, then it crystallizes into like snowflakes and looks really beautiful. And so she's trying to put that thought into the wine. Yeah. And she eventually wants to get it studied, you know, kind of the before and after her treatments um, is what we're calling them. And yeah, if there is an effect at all or if it's just for looks, I don't know. Now, do you see or any of these practices that make you want to maybe try this on the Marin Vineyard wines? Um, you know, crystals are always something interesting. I just don't know enough, but I am kind of like willing to learn. And, um, yeah, I was asking her, you know, why do you have the rose quartz or compared to this white one? Um, and so there's always a reason, you know, behind it all, but it is interesting. Um, but yeah, the only client that we have that is into the crystals though. Really? Mike Stickema. He's our assistant winemaker at Via San Julia, but he's doing his own brand, Stickema Wine Co. And he also puts crystals on his barrels. And I know Nancy does the same thing. And she's super into the water molecule thing as well. So really? it's a and trend. these wines are good. Like, yeah. they're yeah. good. They're really now, good. Sam, what do we think? I mean, is this hogwash voodoo? I mean, or, or is this something that, I mean, what do, you, what do we think about this? Um, well, you know, I try to respect everybody's. But we're not going to perspectives. No, I mean, well, you know, I, I, I believe in putting positive energy out into the universe and, and I try to do that in all sorts of ways in my life, you know? Um, and I talk to my fruit. I don't, I don't, do I don't, yeah. It's like I talk to my plants in my garden. Hanging fruit or do you talk to the grapes in the barrels? Uh, usually like when I'm harvesting it, you know? What do you say? Well, thank you. We're going to make great wine. You're doing a good job, you know? Don't worry. I know you liked the vineyard here, but, you know, it's going to be really awesome. Do you talk to it in your normal voice or do you put like a pet voice on it like I talk to Georgie? <laughs> no, you know, I don't. I, I talk to my dogs in a normal. I don't talk. To, I don't do the baby voice. You thing. don't. You know, I did. You talk to, to your dog. You're like, you're like, hey, Kevin, come here. And you're like, you talk to your dogs like in a regular voice. You don't talk in a, in a high voice to your dogs even? No, because I think it's agitating. It's annoying too. to listen to. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> but I feel like I, when I'm at home, I slip into it. Oh, my gosh. No, I guess I don't. I don't do the baby talk. I kind of jealous of you now. Because I, 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 now I feel like it's something that I could stop. Well, like, you know, if it was your child, right? Like, yeah, you know, maybe, well, you know, they'd finish college by like 10 years old if you'd like treated them like an adult human. You're onto something here. It's <laughs> so cool. Well, no, you see, you see these like child prodigies or like, you know, they're in the news all the time. And whether it's they're playing chess at nine or they just graduated like with a bachelor's at, you know, 11. Yeah. And you're like, what was going on in that house? <laughs> what are these mom and dad? Like, because we need to control C, control V, and you know, yeah, figure right. out how to carbon copy this. Right. It's crazy. It's like Gattaca, right? Mm-hmm. Come in and like, you know, right, create right, right, the right. best of yeah. anything. Yeah. Yeah. So cool to hear the different stories and the different people that you deal with, Marin and Kelsey. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, the wine industry is full of all kinds of characters. I, that's um, a great way to put it. But it's fun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sam, what do you? Where are you kind of ranking here? You're probably just like you got them. You're like they must love me because I'm really easy, right? I mean, you you know how to make wine. You've been making it for a long time. You've been making successful wine. You got an, an established brand, and they must look at a client like you're like, oh, thank God. Uh, I hope they think I'm the best. You yeah, know? but I, I don't know. I mean, I. I think that, um, like, I've maybe I am easy because I've pretty like I know, I know what I want. I have pretty clear ideas about what I want, and because I trust them so much, I, I like I just stay out of their way. How do we take something <laughs> so subjective and something that has so much like emotional and you know time investment in it? If you do have to say something to whether it's Marin or someone on the team, like hey, like and like, how do you bring up areas? of dissent or like hey, what do we feel like, like where you know something's going to be a little bit like like well, let's talk about this for a second because look this is your brand yeah not theirs now you're their client too you could argue mm-hmm. so i mean there's uh, you certainly shouldn't hold these things back yeah and obviously they're customer service oriented so they're going to be apt to receive them so how do you approach those right well i think um i think in general like that mirrors life and i, I think that the more we can all understand that conflict is always going to be a part of any relationship at some point, you know, some more and some less. If it's worth it. Yeah. If it's a good relationship. Yeah. yeah. Then, then you can look at that as a normal part of life. Right. And, you know, approach it in a calm, you know, intellectual way to say, Hey, something's wrong here. How do we, 
you know, break it down. Why did it happen and how can we avoid it from happening? That's all. And, yeah. and not, it doesn't, I think, you know, a lot of things is about how you say things, not what you're saying, mm-hmm. you know, Very so to, to, Amen, just raise, huh? to raise yeah. a point of something yep. that went sideways for some reason, that, that, that shouldn't be like a stressful thing, right? It doesn't have to be. So I guess yeah. that's my take on things. Yeah. It's really refreshing. You have a lot of just kind of refreshing, easy ways to look at things. I need to keep you like in my pocket, just like in my, you need to be on like my shoulder, like one of the, you know, just like, <laughs> chill, Adam, this is not that big well, of a deal. I have, I have a story about that because you are just one of the most calm, cool, and collected like people. You're like, things will happen the way they're supposed to happen. You had a bottling, what, a couple months ago yeah. and your glass didn't get delivered like on time or was a day later. It was supposed to arrive the day of and you had only so much glass to bottle with and you're like, you know what? It'll happen. It'll work out. And you were just so easygoing. It was like, well, if she's not going to stress and I'm not going to stress and it will happen and we'll take care of it. We'll make it right. And it was just like, wow, she's got a good head on her shoulders. Like what a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And so things happen like that happen all the time. Yeah. And the way that she was just like, she wasn't blaming us. She wasn't really even blaming the shipper who it was their fault by the way. And she was just like, you know what? It's meant to be. It'll happen when it happens. Did it's I say good. it was meant to be? That's funny because my mom used to always say that. Yeah, yeah. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Me, but you're like, I'm not going to stress because it's it'll like happen. That one and because I said so. Yeah. I always had problems. Oh my hearing. God. My mom didn't say because I said so. Thank God. So tell me about Cypher. We're going to get into the Slayer in a second. Where are we as far as like some of the different kind of wines that we're expressing now with the brand? Well, the brand, I have a lot of wines because I wanted to not have repeats in the wine club. So I have three shipments of four bottles a year so that's a case and it's all reds so it's like so i was like okay i have to have 12 reds how am i going to make sense out of this because you know you want it to all be distinct and meaningful so the branding that i have for that is um i have the elemental series which is varietal driven wines um that make up the elements of the three rome blends and the three anime blends so people can try the components of the blend so we try to you know have it be a little educational for people or even if they know a lot about wine, still breaking it down and, and tasting them together sometimes is, is pretty fun. So I have Grenache, Syrah, Morved, Petite Syrah, Tanat. We'll just like push Tanat into that category. <laughs> so it's like with a sleight of hand because Tablas Creek does it, so I can do it, right? Sure. Yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then when I introduced the anime series, I actually ended up doing some uh, Cab, Petite Verdot. And uh, so I've got an elemental cab with, with that. And... Um, and then blending it in with those other varietals to make some pretty interesting different blends. And then the Rhone series is just, you know, we start off with a kind of classic GSM style. Then I've got a really more ved driven wine in the fifth element, which is more ved is one of my favorite varietals. And then Phoenix is a really big, sweet, yes. raw, more ved blend. That, that one's super popular. People uh, yeah, that that's been a, a yeah. sexy wine for a long time. Yeah. The Phoenix. It used to be a straight Syrah. Yeah. And then I, I decided to kind of repurpose it into the blend. But it's a Phoenix, so it can, you know, right, be reborn right. into yeah, anything. Yeah, exactly. Where do we taste your wines? <laughs> uh, at the taste room, I'm uh, at the Historic Train Depot in downtown Paso on Pine, right at 8th. So people are getting on and off the train there. That always adds a nice little vibe. Yeah. Train travel. It's like so, it's just... Kind of retro. Yeah, totally my retro. Mom and I Kinda, take, yeah. My mom and yeah. I take the train now because she lives in the Bay Area. Yeah, we jet up nostalgic. And down. It's super fun. It's so great. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And how many days a week are we open? Uh, open um, Thursday to Monday, 1 to 6. 1 to 5 in the winter because it's dark out earlier. And we don't have the traffic that everyone like right around the square has. And I like to Just wait early. a little while. Yeah, I know. Well, I when mean, Ava breaks open, yeah, that's well, the, gonna be interesting. What's Ava? Hotel Ava. Oh, oh sure, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, that's like right. But next just to like us. the way things are growing, I mean, like five years, it's all going to spill. You know, oh, who knows? Yeah. Whether it's five or ten, like things are moving. This place has exploded so quickly. Yeah. How do you like that? Is it something that you're you're comfortable with and and you're you're a part of, or what are some of your thoughts as when you see you know Paso blow up the way it does? Remember, the first time I came down to Paso was I think uh, two thousand, and. Um, I remember, look, I just it's an adorable town. I remember thinking like, okay, in 20 years, this place is going to be like Healdsburg, which has basically happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're as busy as Healdsburg, Paso's on the map. I mean, if you flash back 20 years ago, you know, I'd go down to my sister. She lives in Mission Viejo, and no one knew where Paso was. You'd I thought say, it was well, in Texas. Yeah, you'd have, yeah, right. You have to say, <laughs> it, well, it's north of San Luis Obispo. Okay. And um, now, of course, everyone knows where Paso is. And, oh, yeah. Um, I but you know if that. they're but, from here and how they say it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, but um, no, yeah. I mean it's good. It's it's interesting. That was it's the hardest thing mix. for me to get used to was the Robles. Well, you just I, don't say it. That's how you. That's you how just, we yeah, get exactly. it. You just say Paso. Just stop yeah, you there. say Paso. I feel like if I'm at like Lorena, 
or around Mexican people, like I try to say it properly, Robles, yeah. which I can't say. I'm from the Midwest. I don't say anything properly. It's like <laughs> but I, I do my best, right? you know, but, but otherwise you just chop the word off and then it's all fine because you don't have to it mispronounce like you, it. It sounds like you know what you're up to too. Uh, Marin, how can people taste the Marin's Vineyard wines? Yeah. So we actually do have a small tasting room in Lockwood. Um, people stop by mostly asking for directions because they're lost. <laughs> um, and we offer free wine tasting because they are lost. Um, but yeah, so in Lockwood, uh, we're open on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. You're, why don't you, can you taste the wines down here at some point or is it too busy? Maybe. There's not enough of you to go around or what? Yeah. I would love to expand. I think Paso, just the downtown is very saturated and rent is high. Oh, sure. Um, so we'll see. I am trying to get more distribution, trying to get into restaurants and whatnot. Um, but yeah, happy to taste wines you. with people. And if you are listening, Kelsey, to this and you are like, you know what? I could be a freaking winemaker. Well, we could, we got to call you up and. Oh yeah. Call you, me. Yeah. 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 I'll give you the whole rundown of what's available to you. You know, all training proprietorships, custom crush. We even have an all inclusive bundled pricing by the barrel um, kind of deal that we offer as well. So yeah, just uh, let me know. You can call us or uh, PacificWineServices.com. And so whether, I will be the one that helps you. <laughs> whether you are outside of the biz and listening and just want, like we said earlier, a dream to come true. We can call you or maybe we're in the business and we're like a Sam. I'm very familiar with the business and I want to talk, you know, business minded from one to another and get involved. We can, you can, we can do both. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. All right. Uh, you guys are, um, this is so much fun. Uh, before we end, Sam, please explain the 21 Slayer. Okay. Well, so Slayer is one of the three anime blends and it's a pretty crazy blend. It's, it's five varietals, which is super fun to put together and have them all be meaningful. I really loved doing that. I love doing the blend in general, but the first time I did it, it was so much, so much fun and, and so creative. It's a cab, petite verdot, zin, petite syrah, tanat blend. So cool. And you'd think like, okay, what's going on with that? But it comes together so well. I think initially, you know, I made it because I've never been a big cab lover, you know, but I, I, I taught myself to appreciate it. And I was like, how do I make, how do I make cab that like I think? Actually, now I like cab. Blend it with I like a lot cab a lot cool more. Things. I make a cab. Yeah. I like yeah, blend it with the stuff that I like. But super fun blend, and you know, I, it's it's one that it, everyone seems to really enjoy it in the tasting room. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And uh, let's see, my uh, my anime series—they all have personalities and backgrounds. Like in my mind, anime kind of like when I'm thinking anime, real. like Japanese, like anime, anime. Yeah, characters. Okay, cool. Going back to the whole martial art. That's thing, pretty you know? cool. It's a uh, three. Three badass women, can I say that? Um, yeah. That all have like, you know, huge samurai swords on the labels. Dope. So it's that super could be fun. us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? Oh, I'm going to get some costumes made. Anyway, this so. This is so pretty cool. So, we, what, what is this brand called? Um, well, it's, it's under Cypher. It's under it's, Cypher. I, I call it the anime series. The anime series. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Slayer is actually my cellar uh, master. And she um, is like in Japanese folklore. Right, the oni are the demons, mm-hmm. right? So she is the demon slayer, and um, so she protects all the barrels from the demons of the winery, which are what like Britannomyces VA, VA oxidation. Yeah. Bad things. <laughs> so good. I want to check out some of the anime series, and you can too. Learn more. Cypher Winery, C Y P H E R Winery.com. Taste them downtown at the old train depot. Do you need an appointment? Oh, uh, no, we have walk ins. We're also on talk reservations, which is nice, but people nice. can just walk in and Keep it easy. And then uh, if you want to make some Ryan call up, Kelsey, we got to keep Kelsey. Kelsey, you're not, we're not getting to Marin. Mm-mm. I'm not going to no. give you Marin's number. You got to go through Kelsey. <laughs> yep. She's, she's got to be. Unless sure. you want to go to Marin's Vineyard. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it's like, all right, call me up, baby. Come on now. <laughs> no, you guys have been uh, so much fun to talk to. Thank you, ladies, for hanging out and uh, sharing where wine takes you. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Give me that moonshine, boogie bar. We bounce on round till the job is done. Camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Well, thanks so much to Marin Kelsey from Pacific Wine Services, and of course, Sam Zinpunk from Cypher. You can check her tasting room downtown, located in the old historic train depot, Cypher Winery and Cypher, C-Y-P-H-E-R, cypherwinery.com. And when you want to make that decision, start making some wine, baby. Let's do this. Hit up pacificwineservices.com for more. All right. So we have been asking folks to rate 
review, and subscribe to the podcast. Over the last several weeks, folks who did that were entered into a contest to win a two-night stay at the Allegretto Vineyard Resort dinner at Cello. They got a brand new chef, Jeremy Fike, who is incredible. And then a tasting and vineyard tour of the Allegretto Vineyard Wines. The hospitality, everything there is just incredible. We're going to pick up the phone and we're going to call our winner, Leanne, who does not know we're calling her. We're calling her at work, but on a friend's, a coworker's cell phone. Let's do this. Hello. Hello, Leanne? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I can hear. I think you're a little bit choppy. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we got no reception. Can you hear? I can't hear you. Yeah, I can. Um, I, you can almost hear me soon. Can you hear me now? Oh, there you go. I can hear you now. Good, good, good. Leanne. Oh, Adam Montiel. <laughs> this is Adam Montiel How's from the going? World Wine Takes You podcast. How are you? I'm great, Adam. How are you? Good. How did you know it was me? Because of your voice. She I didn't tell to your you. Podcast. She didn't tell you. That no, she good. didn't. She just said, answer the phone. And then I didn't say anything. And oh, she said, no, but say hello. Okay, cool. Well, I was going to call you. It's funny because I was going to call you at work and really mess with you. And tell you that I had a, I had a boy band called Grape Expectations, and I wanted to do a, uh, a tasting for forty-four people. Yeah, that wouldn't have been very nice. But you know what's great <laughs> about my job is I turn down responsibilities, so I would pawn you off on management. <laughs> it's oh the my best God. thing about me. That's so good. Yeah. So you've been listening to the podcast for a while. Yeah, since the beginning. One, it's most of my friends, and then other ones who I need to make friends with. There you go. Well, you Mm -hmm. registered for our big Allegretto giveaway. And guess what, Leanne? You won. Congratulations. Shut up. Yeah. Are you serious? I am. Congrats. You're going to the Allegretto. I don't think I've ever won anything before. (laughs) Really? Well, I'm your first. There you go. Well, sweet. Thank you for being my first. Absolutely. Pleasure's mine. We got a two-night stay at the Allegretto Vineyard Resort dinner at cello with chef jeremy fike who is new there and just fantastic what he's doing there with the cuisine and i don't know if you've ever walked through or maybe even have uh, had the blessing of staying there but the allegretto is like nothing else and you are going to have a blast i'm so excited uh there's a gentleman who was on my bowling league before the bowling alley shut down who's the pastry chef there so it'd be nice to uh go and support there you go. Reconnect, huh? Yeah. Heck yeah. Oh, everything they do there is so much fun. Also, the Allegretto wines are a blast. You're going to have a, a tasting there with the folks at the winery. They'll give you a vineyard tour. The, the vineyards are like, shoot, like right out the hotel windows. It's really, really something. And it's going to be a nice little uh, two-day getaway for you. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Have fun at the Allegretto. Tell me all about it when you're back. I say like when you're back because it's literally like being transformed into Tuscany. It's going to be pretty rad. I will. Well, thank you so much for all the nice things you said about the podcast and your review. It really meant a lot. Well, thank you for doing the podcast. Tell Joel Peterson it was the right idea. (laughs) What do I uh, do from here? Well, I will uh, put you on hold and I'll give you all the ins and outs of what you need. But I just wanted to thank you so much for listening to the podcast, Leanne, spreading the word, and for sharing where wine takes you. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm pretty stoked. So give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We bounce all around till the job is up. And out in the trees, it will simplify good company. All right, for our Travel Paso Spotlight, this is one of those hidden gems that I, until maybe a year or so ago, I didn't even know that Paso had a legit horse park. Equestrian folks know all about the Paso Robles Horse Park. We're going to learn from Amanda Diefenderfer all of what they do there because it's so cool not only to know what a legit venue this is in equestrian circles dog show, you know, like where the dogs jump all over and run through the things like those agility courses. They do these, the ones like you see on TV and stuff, but they really go out of their way to make these accessible for the public. Let's chat with Amanda. Amanda, thanks for chatting with me. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm great. You know, there are, I always call them like horse people. There are equestrian people and there is this circle, this space it's an industry, it's a hobby, it's a passion, it's a life for some folks. 
It's a career for many, and it, the life of equestrian shows and things like that. I didn't even know we had a Paso horse park until I was doing a broadcast at a Paso Pops event for July 4th at your place, you know, several years ago. But we have a legit horse park that has legit nationally known events right in our own backyard. Yes, yes, we do. We have seen multiple Olympic athletes come through this facility. So we are talking the top level of show jumping competition right here in Paso Robles. Wow, that is so cool. What's the history of the, the horse park? Who owns the property? Why did they build it? And, and when did it become like a thing? Yeah, absolutely. We opened our gates in 2015. We were founded by a woman who lives here in Paso Robles named Linda Starkman. Uh, she has spent decades in the show jumping industry. She has competed herself and then spent many years breeding some of the top horses in the sport. She always wanted to bring the sport and bring a really iconic piece of it here to the Central Coast. And so that is, in 2015, she was able to make that a reality and opened up the Pastor Robles Horse Park. How much, I, mean, I remember being there for that 4th of July show. I mean, this is a magnificently sized place. You have quite a footprint there, yes? Yeah, absolutely. We have 70 acres. We can run 10 arenas at once. Uh, so wow. it is, I like to say, it's my 10-ring circus when we get up and going. <laughs> How often do shows, whether they're maybe like state championships, you know, intramural, national, how often are things going down at the horse park? Yeah, so you can find it throughout most of the year. The spring and fall tend to be our busiest seasons because that's when the weather's best for competing and good for the horses. Um, we at the park ourselves manage our own shows, 12 of them a year. Uh, four of those are nationally rated shows. But I would say April, May, and October, November are the best times to check it out. Now, one thing that's cool about this is that you make it available for folks in Paso to do just that. Check it out. You offer free admission. Anytime you got a show, people can come by and, and be a spectator. Yeah, absolutely. If you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, we always announce when we have shows coming up. You can also see our calendar on com. But that is one of those, we wanted this to be an experience unique to Pastorobos, both for the community and for our competitors that come into the community. So as a part of that, we have been very dedicated to keeping our shows free and welcoming everyone to come watch. And if you know, you might want to say, oh, is this kind of is spectating an event like this for me. You can go check it out. Like you said, it's free. And every event is a little bit better with a, a cold glass of something in your hand, right? It is. So we have the Pony Pub open during the competitions. It's actually run by Paso Wine Merchant. So oh. great local wine, beers, and Love hard them. ciders. Um, you know, grab yourself a gla glass, sit on the grass berm, and really enjoy something fun to watch. You'll do dog events out there too, huh? Yeah, we've done dog agility and dog nose work trials. Actually, the end of September, we have uh, the West UKI West Coast Agility Final, so a really big dog event on that front as well. Fun. I want to come out for that. I love dog events. They're fun to watch on TV. I have to imagine they're fun to watch in real life. They really are. Yeah, it's a whole new world. Uh, you know, we're certainly on the horse side of things, but when those dogs show up, it's a, it's a bit of fun on that front as well. So if people are coming to visit Paso, they got to check you guys out. Um People can, uh, what, how do people learn more about you online? Yeah, absolutely. So like, uh, like I said, we keep our Instagram and our Facebook very up to date. So just follow us, uh, at Paso Robles Horse Park. Um, the other thing is our website, PasoRoblesHorsePark.com. Um, and you can find all of the upcoming events on there and any of the information about them. Um, and you're always welcome to reach out to us and ask what the days are like when they start. We post the schedule for the exact day the evening before, uh, so it'll give you a little bit of an idea of exactly what you can watch. And then other places will book you to host events there, or these events that you're putting on, yeah. like the, the non-horse dog events, yes. Yeah, so the non-horse dog events, we've hosted concerts. Uh, we've hosted dressage events, so we are always open to working with other community events to book them here as well as they are a fit for our facility. Um, and then we manage and host, obviously, all of the show jumping events. Amanda, how did you cross paths with the horse park? I was very fortunate. I was out here um, interested in, you know, new things coming to Pass Robles, but I do have a background in show jumping myself. Um, and was working in marketing and business consulting, and very fortunate, the founder approached me and said, I've done a little bit of background work and think you would be a perfect fit. 
Um, so I always laugh. It's one of those things. It's never where I expected my career to take me. It just kind of found me, but it couldn't be a more perfect fit. Oh, isn't that cool when life works like that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. She is the Paso Robles Horse Park Director, Amanda Diefendorfer. Thank you so much for explaining all about sharing all about what you guys are about and i can't wait to come out i'm going to be out for that dog event i hope people pay you a visit check you out online and thanks for sharing where wine takes you absolutely we're thrilled that you happened to reaching out and covering us we love it oh my god no it's awesome i can't wait to come pay you a visit and meet you All right, yeah, definitely come out. I'll buy you a glass of wine. I love that. You got yourself a deal, Amanda. We will talk soon. Okay, sounds good. We can't wait to see you out here. Give me that action. We'll get by. We pass on round till the job is Get out in the trees. It will simplify good company. For more about the Paso Robles Horse Park, check out PasoRoblesHorsePark.com. And for anything with regards to your next visit, things to do, places to stay, make sure you visit TravelPaso.com. And thanks to Travel Paso for our Travel Paso Spotlight. Next episode, excited, we're going to talk to Steve Gleason from Four Lanterns, also the executive chef of Oak and Vine, a guy named Justin Monson. He used to actually be the chef for Club 33 at Disneyland, that exclusive place in Disneyland. Yeah, the place you couldn't get into, or at least I couldn't get into. I can't wait to chat about that and a lot more. What brought him to Paso? Who knows? Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine, associate producer Jen Bravo, and thanks to Jamie Guzman for fulfillment. Where Wine Takes You, recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. You can follow me on Instagram at Adam on the air. Now for the latest in Paso wine country, you got to check out PasoWine.com. Also follow them on your socials at Paso wine original music on where wine takes you good company. The name of the song performed by moonshiner collective. They're available wherever you stream your music as well as moonshinercollective.com. equipment, transport and technical consideration provided by fly with wine. Next time you are cruising on the central coast, you can tune me in on your radio, my morning show up and Adam in the morning, Heard live weekday mornings on Wine Country Radio, The Crush 92.5. You can stream us online, krush925.com. You can stream us from anywhere. We also got a free app in your app store, Crush with a K, Crush 92.5. Thank you so much for connecting with us here once again. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Until next time, let's lift that glass up high. And cheers to the power of Custom Crush, where your dreams can become liquid poetry. Hope your wine glass and your life glass overflow with the journey and the enchantment of sharing where wine takes you. And give me that passion, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify, good comp. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify, good comp. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is out in the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass on round till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.